The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Yeah, and uh, I will say, I, uh, I, I mean, I'm still ashamed to show my face that I went and saw 80 for Brady. So I'm, I, That's so whatever the bet is next year, you still owe me a six pack. So I'm gonna like ride that thing forever. I'm gonna be like, whatever the bet is next year, it's got to be something I can't lose. So oh, it was a horrible movie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no way. You're shocking there, news here in the bleachers. Bro, 80 yeah. for Brady sucked. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you got Lily Tomlin and Sally Field and, you know, a lot of famous people. Dude, Jane how much Fonda Geritol and, was on set? Dude, you know who has the, the big cameo in the movie? You guys, I'm sure you're waiting with bated breath. The big Rob cameo in the movie? Who? No, is... Uh, is uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives guy? He's like the main, guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. He's like he's like got a what? twenty minute. Yeah, I know. He's like the main dude in the movie. Sally. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> Sally spoiler Field alert. wins a. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Sally Field wins a wing eating contest. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus. So here's the scene. I mean, was this here's just one coo- of those prescription commercials for like three hours? Dude. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I will tell you the worst scene, there is a scene where the ladies break into the uh, the Patriots coaching booth up top and she gets on the microphone with Brady and he's got his helmet, you know, where the microphone is. I mean, come oh, on. No. In this in the Super Bowl, when they're down twenty eight to three, Lily Tomlin is talking to Tom Brady about never giving up and all this bullshit. Excuse oh dear God! And that's how they come back yeah. and beat the Falcons. Oh yeah, wow. that's it. We, if we go, spoil, only spoiler alert. <laughs> Can we need to look up you the gross, what, gross uh, <laughs> income right. from that movie? So look, I have nothing prepared for this podcast, but I will say I don't know what's a worse ending, right? I don't know if the movie <laughs> Eighty for Brady with Lily Tomlin speaking to him, or the fact that they had a walk off pitch clock in spring training and didn't foresee this coming. And now they're wondering, oh shit, are these the rules that we're going to have to live with for 162 games? Wow. Cause I know that's got to be the big topic du jour. So you can lead us in with that, but that's, oh my that gosh. was brutal. That was brutal. You're right though. That You talk about competing bad finishes to a movie or to a baseball game. <laughs> you got 80, a wing eating contest and Lily Tomlin, cheering the friggin' Patriots. I can't even wrap my head around 
the Dude, 80 for Brady. What did you do? It's what did good. I make you do? Here's the thing. Let's be truthful. My daughter actually wanted to see it. And we had a soccer tournament, as you know, with having young gals that are sports yep. enthusiasts, at least through high school. And so we had a tournament out in uh, Norco, closer Ooh. to where you live than where you actually live. That's where I grew up, man. That's out in That's the, right. uh, the haze so, of, uh, yeah. uh, what's that? Uh, uh, the freaking oh. cloud from all the gas and all that stuff. That's what, right. Smog. Yeah. Yes, the smog. So uh, Norco, Norco, where you grew up off Hamner Avenue, there's a little facility at there called Silver Lakes that is hosting a bunch of tournaments. And the nice thing is our first game was at 9 a.m. on Saturday, mm. over at 10.15, and our next game was at 2 o'clock on Saturday. And I'm like, do I drive all the way home? No, I do not. Is there a movie theater nearby? Yes, there is. There's no way it's showing 80 for Brady. 80 for Brady starts at 1040. Yep, we're buying two tickets to 80 for Brady to pay off our bet. Watch the movie, one o'clock. It gets out about 1230, get a little lunch, and then back to soccer at two o'clock. Killed my whole Saturday, but that's how I pulled it off. <laughs> how did the two o'clock soccer game go? Uh, it was great. We won two to one. Oh, inspiration. She was motivated. 80, Bur- and a 80 header. for Brady she scored a She scored a goal on a header. I gotta send you to, the video. Now you're gonna have to rent the digital version and have it accessible at <laughs> every every moment for inspiration. I'm not. Remember, we're not superstitious on this. So Re- yeah. remember the Titans, eighty for Brady. <laughs> yep, there it is. Oh, dear That's God, so we are off to an electric start here in the bleachers. We've been slacking, but business has been crazy. Baseball season's getting back in the swing of things, but this is the Bleacher Blums podcast, and. We'll refresh all your memories. I played, I am Jeff Blum, played for 14 years in the big leagues. Now I commentate for the Astros, kind of stir the pot a little bit. I'm down here in spring training and I got my good buddy, of course, David Tuttle. Wow, we are going bi coastal right now because I am yeah. out in Florida and you are on the left coast in California where you reside. Uh, Tuttle uh, played nine, 10, nine years in the minor leagues. Yeah, about nine, I think. I should know this by now. No, I like asking nine a question. Years. Yeah. He's been involved in some big trades, Team USA guy. He is just uh, an all-around good dude. Mm -hmm. And he actually – you just heard us bantering about him having to uh, go see 80 for Brady after losing a bet in the the Super Bowl. But uh, we've got bigger fish to fry here. I mean, now that we've got that out of the way, and I'm sure that our our fans will be uh, – pretty enthused with the fact that we broke down 80 for Brady and you just, I mean, the spoiler alerts galore, you know, have been unbelievable. I mean, Guy Fieri just coming in as the closer in 80 for Brady is really astonishing news. Um, we'll have to have our producer, Mark Ramos, look up the, the income and see how much you contributed to the paychecks of Lily Tomlin and other fossils. I thought it was they could have called that Jurassic Park Nine or something, right? Ooh, look at you! You came ready, <laughs> ready and loaded for that. I would agree. Jane Fonda um, is Ooh, a fantastic go. actor, but I remember on Golden Pond with her father. Mm. Um, yeah, back in so, nineteen forty-two. Hey, Henry Fonda on Golden Pond. I was like, man, he looks really old, but such a good movie. Jane Fonda looked older in this movie than Henry Fonda looked in old on Golden Pond. So I'm just man, saying. Trust me, doing that movie probably aged for about six years. Trust me. Mm. But we've got bigger and better things to do because the season has started. I know that you've – have you seen any games? Have you had a chance to sit down and watch? I know all these day games are kind of tough. Yeah, so I haven't watched a lot of games. I uh, Today, it's funny, I was trying to catch up because, you know, hey, we do have a podcast on occasion, and I was trying to look at some highlights. I saw the uh, 
this must be an umpire union thing. It's another topic du jour. But, you oh, know, we man. usually cut games short, right? We had split squad games a lot in spring training. <laughs> Did you see that? Bit? But the uh, the Pirates-Orioles game ended with the catcher calling balls and strikes. So yep. that'll tell you that we're the uh, umpires got paid for nine innings and they are out. Eight and a half innings were done. So, Dude, yeah. Man. So I, I've, thought, I've seen a little, but I do think – and this is what we were just alluding to, the rule change podcast that we were trying to come out with, and maybe next week, again, we keep saying, we keep postponing it, but we really should go through each rule, what it means, the bigger base, the lack of shift, the the pitch clock, and the time, you know, the the time, I guess, that they're trying yeah, to the um, speed up the game. the timer a big issue. But, but I mean, so the, those are the two issues, right? I saw the umpires leave after eight and a half today because the game's official and it's over. So you have the double-A catcher, in big league camp calling balls and strikes to end a major league baseball game in spring training. That's fantastic. Um, that's a good look. And then obviously um, I think Machado made some uh, news because he was the Ooh. first one to be um, given a strike, not because of his contract. He was the first one to be given a strike um, due to the uh, clock violation. And then we, right after that, we saw a game get called um, or, you know, a walk-off win for the pitcher when the uh, batter didn't get into the box in time to uh, to uh, finish the game. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's what MLB is going for. So that that's kind of the extent of what I've seen. So I haven't seen mm-hmm. a lot of statistical stuff. The Yankees seem to make ESPN every night. You know, some guy hit a 900-foot home run. But otherwise, Shocking. I haven't seen a whole lot of, I know, haven't seen a whole lot of games. But uh, but tell us, I mean, what, what was the, what was the, the take on watching a game like that and what's the buzz around, you know, either the clubhouse or even within the media, you know, around the rule changes thus far. Well, thus far we are hearing a pretty good company line. I think league wide, you're hearing a lot of guys and a lot of guys that I've talked to coaches I've talked to, um, you know, both with uh, the New York Mets. uh, I didn't have a chance to talk to the Marlins guys, but the nationals and obviously the Astros, and every every coach to a man is saying, these are the rules, we'll work within them, we'll find a way. And I think that's a very good company line right now. I'm not sure what's going on inside the clubhouse, because you know as well as I do, Tuttle, that media shows up and you're going to nod your head, you're going to give the cliche, and uh, you're going to go on with your day. But I really honestly wonder what's going on behind the scenes, because... I've called three games on TV, one game on radio, and here is a list of the game times. 219, 206, 233, 30, oh man, today was like 309 or something like that. Now, that first game, I was out of breath. Two, two hours and 16 minutes, 19 minutes, whatever it was, I felt it was out of control. And a lot of it had to do with our broadcast and the production of it. But watching some of these guys dig in and run to the box and then the, you know, the umpire is, as soon as the ball is foul tipped to the backstop, they're chucking it back to the pitcher. The clock is starting again. Uh, you have 30 seconds in between each hitter. And I found out a new rule that uh, happened because the Astros catcher was on deck Third out was made, catcher runs to the dugout, puts on his gear, comes out, forgot his pitch comm device, had to go back and get it, came back and threw back, or made the throw down to second base in between innings at the 32nd mark, and he was penalized. So that's another new aspect to this rule, is that you have to throw the ball to second base in between innings before 30 seconds, because it has to give the hitter time to get to the box. But the, the, those were bizarre. And to your point, 
the the umpires there needs to be a little more action around the the strike call or the ball call because we'll sit there and I'll be writing a note or I'll be talking to TK and we'll look up and we're like okay somebody has a ball on them we don't know what happened you know it's just there's not a lot of clarification right now and uh, there's going to be some you mean the balls areas. and strikes that are issued yeah. for the t- for the clock violation not for the yeah. pitch that you're actually yes I got you so all of a sudden yeah. it's one zero and you were looking down and you don't yeah, know you really what happened yeah. Yeah. And I mean, today it was, you know, we actually saw the umpire pointing at the hitter, calling a strike. We had a called strike, or it wasn't a called strike three. It was a time clock strike three. So I'm officially right here on the Bleacher Blums breaking news. We are going to hashtag TKO as the technical strike out. TKO, technical yeah, strike out. I like it. And so that that kind of yeah, oh, drink it in, um, but that that kind of stuff's happening. But you got to be able to like point at the hitter, one strike. I don't know. It, it's crazy. But like you said, to when those games end on strikeouts like that or a walk off walk in a bases loaded situation, I want to somebody's going to have to keep track of how many game ending plays like that actually affect like a division lead or something like that because what if we get to the point where it's game seven of the world series and some dude's just taking a breath and isn't looking at the pitcher and all of a sudden game over world series champs and no pitch was thrown well i think you're making my point which is funny it leads to what i always said before about actually adding replay into major league baseball i do think replay is okay for like a safe out at first base something like that but We've talked about obviously the pitch com, the good communication, but then we've talked about the robo umpires and now the, you know, obviously the expediency which with which they want to do hitting and pitching. But I just think they you can't foresee all the outcomes. This is kind of like AI and the self-driving cars, right? There there's too many things to happen. And I think when you start, you know, I, Maybe, like you said, the company line is there, and we've seen some of the MLB communications regarding, like, this is what we're going to say, and this is how the rules go, and all of that. But I, I just don't understand, like you said, so game seven of the World Series, and there's a clock violation, and they, you know, one team thinks they're going to win on a walk, and the other team says, nope, it was done after the clock violation. And, you know, one team is celebrating, now the other team's celebrating. It's too confusing. <laughs> And it's not really related to baseball. I, I I heard somebody make the point about an extra innings. We're still doing the the runner on second, right? Yeah, the man. Yeah. So man. so now we want to make the games faster. So we get them faster to extra innings, and now you're going to start with a guy in second, which leads to more run scoring. It's kind of like, are we going to be traditionalists, or are we going to go for more offense? Or, I mean, it just seems like those are kind of. Uh, polar opposites of what you're yeah. trying to do. So let's have a guy on second. We we got to the ninth inning in two hours and three minutes, but now we're going to start with a guy in second and they score, and then to start with a guy in second in the next inning and they score, <laughs> and now you're into the 14th inning, and the whole idea was that you were going to speed up the game, and now you're in the 14th inning and it's 3-3 yeah. when it was 1-1 after nine. I, I, I just... I don't know. It just seems a little backwards, and, and I think this is what happens when you start getting away from actual... I don't know. This is the argument you always make about like, I don't know, a ball player being a general manager or a ball player being a manager. I mean, we understand the game. We got into the game, but I I don't know. It just seems like it's getting farther, further, excuse me, further away from actual ball players having a say in how the game, you know, should operate or, you know, function. I don't know. And, and like you said, they're doing the company line now in spring training, but even in the first week of the season, if you lose a game on a clock violation, I don't think they're going to be so cordial. 
Yeah, but as a pitcher now, like you bring up the extra innings, and they're still doing the Manfred Man at second base in extra innings. So there's an Manfred opportunity Man, for you favorite. actually. <laughs> you, there, there's opportunity. I love it, Manfred Man and the yeah, and the and the Manfred clock and the Manfred bases and the Manfred shift. Situation. I don't know, um, but to your point, I mean, now if you're a pitcher, you have the ability to to walk a guy without throwing four balls in the at bat. And you also have the opportunity in extra innings to give up a a run, but have it not show up on your ledger anyway. I mean, it's that's the bizarrety of it. And to your point, you know, I, I think that w- what was the purpose of the clock? The clock was to speed up games. Okay, so you've got the sped up game. Now we got to preface this. At the time we're recording this podcast, there's four spring training games in the books. Now you're seeing a lot of minor leaguers because big league guy, the regular big league guys haven't gotten into these games. The WBC, there's a lot of complications, so you're probably not seeing the regular roster playing. I'm hoping that once you get to that regular roster, you'll see a little more normalcy, because I think what's coming out in between your words is when you see these clock moves, and you see this game sped up, and you see some of the action on the field. Is it, and this is, isn't this, isn't this, this should be the question that you always have in a business. Is it making my product better? And I'm not sure if the speeding up of the game and this clock are making your, your sport better. Are we seeing the best we're going to see of baseball? You know, if you start to see Mike Trout's numbers drop off or a Shohei Otani be exhausted in the fifth inning from pitching every 15 seconds, is that better for the game? I don't I don't know. It's going to be crazy to see how this unfolds. But that's why I'm kind of honestly hoping that when the regular rosters get out there, that the, the game itself becomes very good baseball again. Because right now, pitchers are way ahead of hitters. Uh, we don't have the regulars. And that's where kind of my concern is. And Truth be told, like on, this is my honest feeling, is that if you are going to go with this clock, it's such a drastic move that it literally feels like you could, you're off by five seconds. I think if you went twenty with nobody, twenty seconds with nobody on base, twenty five with runners on, I think you'd find a better, better uh, avenue for these guys to be able to work within and give a quality product while still moving the game along. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's like an overcorrection. The other yeah, thing you said exactly, is so yeah. funny. Yeah, in my day job, I ask this question all the time, right? Because you're negotiating, you're doing whatever. I always ask people, what does success look like? Right? You're telling me this is what you want, and I want this thing, and you're having this, you know, it's, you know, just like contract negotiation. But what is, you know, you give me your definition of success, because if we implement this program or we do this, I think that's the that's the question, to your point, you know, is this making my product better? It's a very similar question in that what does success look like to Major League Baseball if they implement these rule changes? Is success having every game under two hours and 20 minutes? Or is success, like you said, having more butts in the seats? Or I, I mean, they need to come up with, they kind of need to always like reverse engineer this, right? What does success look like and how do we get there? And I don't know, it's unfortunate because I feel like they implemented this stuff and now we're seeing it in spring training, like, all right, now here we go. We're ready to, you know, we've tried it in the minor leagues and now we're going to do this in the big league games. Um, I do understand what you're saying in terms of there's this, there's this period of, you know, we got to try this out. We got to feel it out. And it's a lot of the, like you said, big league camp invite type guys. But I do think there's some gamesmanship, you know, when you talk about, um, 
you know, the regulars, you know, when you talk about the Max Scherzer's mm-hmm. pitching or the Trey Turner's or the, you know, the Bryce Harper's of the world, um, you know, Altuve, these guys have a little gamesmanship when you call timeout in the at-bat. So like if true. you can get a grip or they get the guy to step off or just, you know, just get people thinking there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on. And if you're eliminating that, you could be, to your point, if Trout's numbers, if he goes from a 320 hitter to like a 285 hitter, I mean, have you stifled this guy that's learned the game kind of the right way or whatever that is, you know, the way that he learned it and the way he came up to be successful? We've said this before about other rule changes, and we saw with the steroid era um, being, you know, the steroid, I guess, uh, use being enforced that we went back to a more like, you know, a slappy leadoff hitter with a guy who can steal and a guy that covers, you know, (laughs) covers a lot of ground in center field. So we've seen changes throughout, you know, the course of time, but I do think there's they're kind of on a razor's edge here, just saying, all right, these are the four rules we're going to implement. No shift and a time clock. And, you know, some of your superstars may not be, you know, although (laughs) it's, you know, the players that are playing now, like you said, may not be adjusting as well as some of the guys that have been around the game could. I also think you're challenging, um, you know, kind of the status quo and maybe jeopardizing some of the things that have made you successful to this point. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's, I don't know. I'm a no. little, I'm a little nervous. Well, that, well, that's what I'm curious about. I think once the WBC has been played and like, you know, we're both talking about when you get some of the regulars in there who do use some of the, some of the gamesmanship, you know, stepping out, trying to control the at back. Cause that's one thing as a hitter, I want you to talk about it as a pitcher because as a hitter, I can step out. I can fake the eye. Oh my gosh, I got something in my eye. Mm. Just to throw your. Oh, I always off. thought you guys had something in your eye. That's oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. You know when that <laughs> when that burst of air blows into my eyeball and I'm I just swung and missed yeah. at your slider and I'm going, dear God, I hope it's he doesn't a little throw blurry. that again. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I tie my shoelace or ask sure. the third base coach to hey go through the signs again. You know, let's yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's hold this thing off. I don't want you to grab the ball and go because. With the, you know, the one thing that doesn't translate through the TV or even sometimes in the stands is how fast this game is moving and how much your brain is involved trying to anticipate for you as a pitcher, what pitch am I going to throw next? You have a pretty good idea, but you can adjust. As a hitter, I'm going, okay, threw me slider in the dirt. Is he going to double up on that? Is he going to throw the fastball high? You know, there's a lot of things going through your head, so you don't really have that. I feel like you don't have that time to adjust pitch by pitch sometimes. And that's where I think that the hitter, this is against the hitter, the t- the pitch clock, is because you I've got to run to the box. I've got to be ready and staring at you, and yet you can hold for another eight seconds, and I can stand there in my position and not be ready to hit as you come at me with one second left. You know, that that's how that's gonna be part of the gamesmanship too. And I think Max Scherzer kind of did that the other day. I don't know if you saw it, but he was going at eight seconds like for five or six pitches in a row. And then all of a sudden he held till one second left. And you're like, uh, uh, you know, you get in yeah. between. But talk about it as a pitcher. Did you feel more comf- comfortable working on your pace or being held up by the by the hitter? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. I would like to work on my pace. And when you could get guys like either happy feet or, you know, get them swinging at a pitch. Yeah, you – you don't want you, the hitter happy to have a long time actually to a think good about call. it. That, that was yeah. a, that's a good explanation. Those are the swings I'm seeing from hitters. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 You're. Right. I mean, that's that's what you look for, right? I mean, I, I remember playing winter ball <laughs> as against. A pitcher, uh, you are. Yeah, but I mean, playing against more major league hitters than I'd faced before down in, in Puerto Rico, 
and gosh, I should always remember this guy's name. I don't, but he, I think he was an Astros catcher, but uh, Randy something. Anyway, big guy. He was off the plate. And he hated my sinker, and he kept saying he would. He just kept moving off the plate. I could just see him in the box. He Randy was about Knorr? six inches from. The, yeah, Randy Nord. Look Big at you, old caveman, just like wide yeah. shoulders. I played with him in Montreal. Yeah, dude, there you go. So Randy Nord, shout out to Randy Nord. Blum knows you, Total knows you, but Randy Nord. You know, you see a white guy down in Puerto Rico, and you're like, hey, I'm going to talk to that guy after the game or BP the next day. And Randy Nord was down there, and he's like, dude. I just kept backing off the plate and you kept throwing me the sinker. Like he was just telling me what he kept trying That's to do. And stuff. I could watch his feet move, which is what made me think of the happy feet. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting because yeah, you don't want the hitter, especially this is the other thing. When you go from little league to, you know, to pony league, to Colt, to college, but you know, high school to college, like, it just gets more cerebral. We've talked about this before about being drafted in the right situation. The game gets more cerebral and you start thinking. And sometimes people say, Oh, I overthought that or, you know, or overthunk that, whichever you want to say, but you know, you're starting to think. And, and to your point, it's two, one, he just threw me a slider. Is he going to throw me? I think it's a good fastball count, but he's not really throwing his fastball for a strike. Maybe I look breaking ball here. Like you need some time to process that information. And if I got you kind of on the run and you're swinging and you're kind of, you know, maybe you take a pitch that you wouldn't normally take, or maybe you swing at a pitch you wouldn't. I, I, I agree with you. I haven't watched a lot of spring training yet. I, I, promise to before the next podcast but i definitely feel like it's an advantage to the pitcher and if they're trying to get more action in the game it's going to be tough they're going to get a lot more swings but i mean i don't i don't <laughs> think this is going to help you know I, I don't think it's going to help a lot of guys especially those same spot swingers you know they're up there swinging yeah like, just don't hit their bats right yeah that's exactly right and i think that pitchers can be a little more selective selectively aggressive with their first pitches because one thing i have noticed is that when these guys dig in they're really aggressive swinging early in some of these counts because they don't want to get later in the count for whatever reason and it seems like a rush process now when these guys get on base uh the bigger base is it visually it's it's getting a little bit easier but you can definitely tell there's a, a difference in that um i don't know if it's going to affect the bang bang play at first base because they measure the base uh, 90 feet to the back of the base down the lines so the base is actually three inches closer to home plate and you would assume the hitter is going to get there quicker but at the same time it's three inches closer to the inside of the diamond so the first baseman can kind of get out there and stretch a little bit too and you widen the bag so he's got a little more movement you know three inches towards the inside of the diamond to be able to make some of these plays and I haven't seen enough baseball and uh it, or I haven't seen enough in our games to really say, oh, the bang-bang play is going to go the way of the base runner yet. You know, I I, kind of think it might, but I'm not sure. But the one thing I have noticed, and you know this as well as I do, having played in big league camps, is it's it's basically a a scientific lab for what you want to try and do and see if you can do because there's really no penalty for it. Uh, You know, wins and losses don't mean anything. The stats don't show up on the back of your baseball card. But one thing I'm noticing is that there is some hyper aggression on the base paths. These guys are taking a lot of chances and pitchers have not been picking over as much as they have in the past. And I want, when you watch a game, I want you to start to notice some of that stuff. Cause that's something that really kind of jumped out to me. 
But I also think to your point, so this is a little bit of, I don't know if it's uh, like bitter Bob stuff, but the pitchers are behind the, I'm sorry, the hitters are behind the pitchers, as you already pointed out right now, right? Yeah. You come into camp and these guys are still throwing 95 and you're trying to Gosh, like get your pumping. sea legs under you and you're like, all right. So I, I do think to your point, there's no consequence for getting caught stealing. Um, you know, they're walking maybe a few more like, the, you know, they're just... They're trying to feel it out as well. So it will mm -hmm. be, like you said, and that's the great thing about baseball. We've talked about you know a lot of the positives in general, but Good it's point. 162 games. We're going to get to see this thing out. First month even, we'll see how teams are. Are they more aggressive? Are they not? As the hitters catch up to the pitcher, if that happens this year, even with the pitch clock, then we'll have to see if uh, you know if they're as aggressive. But right now, they're probably like, hey, I'm on base. Oh, I got th I'm three inches closer to second base. Let me... Let me give mm -hmm. this thing a whirl. You know, I, I mean, they might just be kind of fooling around with it, but it is really interesting. And I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. The shift is the other one that I, I don't know if you've seen a huge difference with that. Because now, if you do have the ability for the pitcher to maybe get an advantage, and I'd be curious to know if the Manfred rules apply to this, is that now they can't shift. So now the pitcher doesn't even, or the hitter doesn't have to do, the hitter can hit the way he used to, which is like behind a yes. runner, or yeah. I can yank the pitch because I know I only got two dudes on this side of the diamond. Yep. If they were able to do the pitch clock and the shift, you'd kind of be like, oh God, now they got all four guys over there and they're just, you know, they're, they're quick pitching me. So I don't, well, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But the, this is the sh now getting on the shift. I think you're exactly right because as a hitter, all of a sudden it feels like the infield has opened up completely. And, you know, a couple of things that I have noticed in, and this is more in veteran hitters than in younger hitters, but you can see them consciously in batting practice and during the game, just kind of focusing up the middle. All of a sudden, the big part of the field is open again. And I think that you're going to see some better swings from guys, especially deeper in counts. Uh, they're going to try and go back up the middle. There's some, you know, some rollers off the end of the bat. There's some uh, jam shots up the middle that are going to be tougher plays. It's going to force your second baseman to be more athletic. It's going to force your shortstop to be more athletic. And, you know, so the hitters are going to be going up the middle. But the other thing is, is being a left-handed hitter in my career, it was always great to look to the right side with a runner on first base and see one guy standing there, just the second baseman, because the first baseman's holding on the base runner. Yeah. In year, in the last decade or so, we've seen the shortstop and second baseman and the first baseman, it didn't even matter. He could hold on that guy and not even come off the bag, and you'd have two guys standing right. over there. That's one of the yeah. bigger plays for me that I think is going to change a little bit but the shift is definitely going to be interesting. And one other note, I had this idea, but you know, you I have I honestly can go down and talk to guys like Joe Espada, Omar Lopez, and say, you know, I had this crazy idea. You know, would without being able to shift, would you pinch the corner guys to those uh, those holes in the infield, like the four and a half and the five and a half holes? And that's exactly what they've been doing since uh, I've been watching these four games. Is they're trying to just get off the line and allow those guys up the middle to cover the middle of the diamond and use the corner guys to kind of cover those holes and giving up yeah. the doubles early. Yeah, except for the first baseman, I guess, right? I mean, that's the one if there's a guy on you. Yeah, he's got to hover a little bit closer, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point. You know, it's funny. I gave up hits like that, and I would always get upset, right? We didn't have the shift when we were playing, at least certainly mm -hmm. not in the minor leagues. And it was like every time you got to – I wish I was smarter about that, but every time you got a good right-handed hitter that could pop one through that hole – you know, the second baseman yeah. in the minor leagues, we didn't do enough scouting reports. So the second baseman's kind of closer to second base to take the throw. And you just have this huge four hole over there. <laughs> and, you know, I'm throwing a good sinker away or a good slider away. And the guy would just like break his bat and 
roll it through the side over there. And you're oh. like, now you got guys on first and second or first and third and nobody out. And you're like, gosh, darn it. You know, I got them to, you know, <laughs> not even hit the ball hard, but you know, smart hitters knew what they were doing and those holes were big. So it will be interesting to see if they adjust, but those are the main roles, right? Base shift. Yes. And then the clock on both sides, pitcher and hitter clock. So have we seen a hit a pitcher clock violation? Well, the one that I did see was actually on the catcher, like I, I explained earlier. I'm not oh, sure if we were recording yeah. at the time, but there was a catcher on deck, had to put on his gear at the end of the inning, came out, forgot mm-hmm. his pitch com, came back, and they he didn't gotcha. throw the ball down to second base before the 32nd clock. Gotcha. And he got dinged, or his pitcher got dinged. Yeah. But I have actually seen, I was watching a game, and it was actually, oddly enough, it was a seventh, eighth, and ninth, or ninth inning. There was a runner on second base, and you know there was two outs, big hitter at the plate, and the guy kind of came set. And you know, as a pitcher, you're kind of sitting there and you're settling in, and you kind of, and you see the guy dancing off, and he kind of just hesitated to get that guy to stop his feet from moving so he'd get a little more sedentary. And by the time he looked home, the clock expired, and he got dinged for a ball and ended up walking the guy. And I'm like, that that's yeah. part of the gamesmanship or the savvy where the the pitcher was like. I'm not going to let this guy move, but the yeah. guy was probably reading the clock and he's like, I can do that. So that's where it's, yeah, that's, 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 some that's what I'm saying. I mean, you could have guys that they know if it's a second left, they should just take off for, take off for third. Yeah. And now the guy, it's a clock violation. So I don't know if that counts, but I mean, like you said, you're, it's going to be well, like, it was. A, they, they stopped the play and they called the ball and the guy ended right. up walking to first base and now you got first right. and second. Yeah, so the guy didn't even – I mean, but if he started to steal third and they call a violation, he's not out going to third, right? It's a dead right. ball. dead ball. So that's what I'm saying. You can, you can, as a runner, you can start looking at that clock as well and start utilizing mm-hmm. that to your advantage. Like, I hey, would imagine that. If yeah. he's looking at home and now looking at second, he has a half a second left, I'm running. And that will make him either step off or start the play. Or I mean, as long as the umpire is a little slow, you know, yeah, it, I don't true. know. It's just – it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird, and I I don't know how they get all these guys like you said the the cliches are there right now, but I don't know how everyone's buying in because they've yeah. learned one game and now the game's about to change significantly. So I just I don't know. I mean, what is gonna happen if the World Series comes down to like pitch clock violations? I just I mean, there's no going back, right? This is implemented for sure. But that's the thing I don't think they took into account, right? You're sitting in this room and you're like, ah. Damn it, we were unilateral movement right here. We're going to 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Then did anybody stand up and go, are you willing to give up the World Series on this on this rule? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, there's a I mean, this day and age with the playoff bonuses on there. So we're not gonna give up the World Series on that either, man. Yeah. Uh. The best way to learn a language, immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Tuttle, what else have you been up to, man? How, uh, how, how is Tuttle I, doing? I just noticed Ramos put uh, the... The, Did you put the income eighty for eighty for Brady twenty eight million dollar budget audience rating of three point nine out of five IMDb rating five point nine out of ten that's what I'd give it somewhere in the five point <laughs> nine out of ten but there you go I just saw that well, yeah no good. just uh, crazy stuff I think uh, we're starting to uh, hopefully here March starts tomorrow we're going to be getting some uh, college acceptances or denials that that happens in March I guess I yep. don't know. If you get, did you go through the same process before or now? I guess your daughter's no, we're going are through it now. Feeling, no, we're yeah. in the same boat because uh, are they in anywhere yet? Have the schools like yeah. started accepting yet? So Texas, there's actually been it? some movement. Yes, uh, so I know. Oh boy, this is where it gets tough. I've got three applying. Well, you don't have over. to out them. You don't have to out them. Well, it's like Oklahoma, Alabama, Arkansas, and I'm not telling you which kid got accepted where because no, that's no, just that's a whole fine. other. But I mean, yeah, choice I don't have a though. data team that can yeah. keep track. But I mean, of that th- right? But doesn't March? Isn't March when they started? To, they do well, early that's, uh, application, A&M, or that's what I'm. Yeah, A and M, Texas A and M just got back to Ava, mm-hmm. and LSU is one of those March schools that's kind of waiting until March. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. Those are the only two schools that we have left because they did uh, early ad- applications to all those other oh, ones. Oh, they did early. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So they're going to be SEC people, it looks like. Dude, it's unbelievable. I moved my family A&M, from, Arkansas, from LSU. Like it's to all going to be And now we're like the Alabama. Southern – yeah, we're the yeah, Southern yeah. Funny. family. It's crazy. That's and my great, girls are at though. the rodeo tonight of, of all places. Nice. So just – there it is. Cost-wise, yeah. it'll be great. Yeah, but yeah so imagine? Tyler got into the usual – like he got into Montana State, Fullerton. He got okay. into – yeah, Cal State Florida. He's not going to go there. But the UCs, uh, Wisconsin, Colorado, and Washington are schools he's applied to, and they're all waiting till after March to yeah. – to, so Colorado, maybe he, go, go watch Dion. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, I don't know if he'll be going to a big football school. I think he's still intrigued by the UC system, but um, which hey. your daughters would be if they were out here. But we're still intrigued by the UC system, but they, they won't start um, – you know their acceptance is till there's so many after tomorrow, but you, so. the i mean this is totally biased obviously because i went to the uc and <laughs> all the other satellite schools are really good though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. but it, they're really good schools and i'm obviously biased but yeah. i think that's that's a great for him and hopefully everyone well right. i mean yeah i mean he's he's gonna get in somewhere and it'll happen but i i would you know like you said i think sometimes geographically and peer uh groups really mm-hmm. dictate and i will say this after school I mean, going to Santa Clara University in the Bay Area, I mean, there's obviously Stanford and Cal and, you know, uh, other good schools up there. Um, even the USFs of the world and, you know, I mean, tons Fresno of good States schools. And, yeah. Yeah, right. So, but the alumni base, like you have a pretty strong alumni base, but unless mm-hmm. you go to like a Stanford or a Harvard or a Notre Dame or, a, you know, the, the way to use the alumni base is to kind of be in the area. So like Santa Clara has a really good alumni base in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, as does San Jose State, to be honest with you, like Google, Apple, yeah. all those guys hire from those schools. But if you're not living in that area, you know, the alumni base is a little thinner, you know, like you can't mm-hmm. go to Texas and be like, oh, Santa Clara alum, you know, you'll find every once in a while, you'll find a dude, right, that went to Jesuit in Dallas and he came out to Santa Clara or something like that, but it's really yeah. rare. So 
I mean, a college degree is a college degree is a college degree in that sense, meaning it doesn't really matter if mm. your daughters go to Arkansas, Alabama, LSU, those degrees coming out will be very similar, um, especially if they stay in the area, you know, because yeah. the alumni base is pretty solid there. It's, it, you know, it's, no, it's more regionalized with, uh, is what I'm saying. The University of Arkansas, I mean, that Bentonville area north of Arkansas, you know, there's all those Fortune 500 companies up there. And yeah. I mean, they advertise all the internships that you're able to yeah. go up there and, and enjoy. That's but right. um, well, tell uh, us I, about your trip to Arkansas. I was just going to say, you, you reminded me. Some of that. Like, dude, you were like courtside or whatever. Oh, you got someone oh, coming yeah. in? No, I've actually, I'm going to shift my camera a little bit because uh, I've actually got like, what's, Arkansas oh, is Arkansas. playing Tennessee right now. Oh, nice. They're getting I'm go smoked. Watch that. They're playing terrible. Yeah, oh well. But I mean, come on. Like you are a VIP in Dude. many walks of life. You get treated <laughs> unlike the general public. And basically, you're a father of a girl who goes to Arkansas. Yet yep. the AD's like, we're rolling out the red carpet. You're going to shoot a halftime shot. You're going to go to a baseball game. We're going to do a football game. Is that what happened? I, I use it. How did that happen, though? How did this come about? Okay. So, you're, so the, the, I know people on the baseball side because my brother played there in 1999 ah, and 2000. That's right. So okay. he's kind of hooked me up on that end. Which, and then I know the guy that does play-by-play for them. So I had two mm -hmm. ends. And okay. we actually happened to be up there that week that they were uh, having opening day uh, at home. For baseball. For baseball. Um, but we went up there. I was able to watch Florida versus uh, University of Arkansas or against the Razorbacks in basketball on Saturday. Hung out with but my daughter. But you were sitting very Sunday, close Monday. to the, the court. But I, I had the single greatest Ar Arkansas father sports day ever because Man. I got into the no baseball game. No wonder we couldn't game. do a podcast last week. Oh, dude. I was, yeah, I was just, I was in, pardon me, but hog heaven. Yeah. Boom. Suey. <laughs> So I go to the baseball game, yeah. and I, I, I call. I went up in the booth for innings five and six. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting to chat it up with uh, the guys on TV. I get done with that. I get a text from Eric Musselman, the head coach of uh, the Ooh. Arkansas Razorbacks men's basketball team. I know. And he Musselman. goes, "Hey, I got you some better heat, better seats than I got you on uh, uh, Saturday." Because we were in the family section. It was fine. Yeah. But yeah. we, <laughs> I get the tickets and we roll in. They're like, oh, you need to keep going down there. You need to go down there. And all of a sudden, oh, I've got a God. wristband on and I'm sitting courtside. Yes. And I mean, the the mascots are messing with us. I'm two seats away from the guys doing the play-by-play -play in color. Um, I'm staring right across the bench at, at Eric Musselman and his boys. And they proceed to go out there and just absolutely thump the Georgia Bulldogs. That's awesome. And had the time of my life, but I was like, I've, I've had good sports days, you know, where you're watching sports and you're hanging with your boys. Yeah. But for that day, I was, I, I was 18 again on a college nice. campus and just cheering my brains out for the Razorbacks and had just so much fun. That city is sneaky. Awesome. I really, yeah. I'm really happy she's there and she made a great choice. Couldn't be more proud of her. She's getting great grades. But then the fringe benefits that I have, and it's yeah. and it's funny. I'm sitting courtside, and the AD came up to me, um, and uh, you know, you just kind of you know grease that wheel a little bit extra. Yes. You're like, thank you, Mister Hunter Erdercheck. You're the best. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I might have another daughter coming here. So there you go. Well, isn't it? It's funny. He's like, he goes, I know you got triplets. He goes, is there a chance there's going to be another hog in the house? I'm like, there's a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's awesome. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Um, Musselman coached at UNR last I knew, and then, but he's been mm -hmm. around basketball world forever. Where was he? Did he coach the Sacramento Kings for a while? 
I know, but where did we meet him? I met him somewhere. USD. I, I think he was at. Thank you. I think he was at San Diego, Diego University of San yeah. Diego, or if not, yep. I think, San Diego. Yeah, State, and I was, was at it? Santa Clara. So USD, I think he was the coach. Yeah, there. but I mean, Rome knows him really well. Like Rome always has him on. He used to mm-hmm. have him on for analysis. But anyway, he's a good coach. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he's got. He, he's done a good job of recruiting, and that whole SEC, that whole SEC animal, is mm-hmm. unbelievable to me. It's yeah. it's amazing to me. Yeah. That opening, you'll love this because I believe Santa Clara was very similar to Cal. We didn't draw real well as far as attendance. Yeah. And I just heard that Arkansas, they were talking about it on the basketball game I was watching. Their their home attendance is third in the nation. It's amazing. But yeah. opening day uh, for uh Bomb Gardner, I think is the stadium, or Bomb State Bomb mm-hmm. whatever, Razorback for Stadium. Baseball. Opening day, three o'clock game. It's about sixty degrees, kind of windy, so it's a little. There's a little chill in the air. Yeah. Uh, Not overcast. baseball weather. Not great baseball no, weather. No, and they had like nine thousand people, nine thousand, oh. and that was a slow day. I was like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, we used no, to get like get- we used to get like three hundred people on a Tuesday day game <laughs> opening. Dude, day. Stanford would come in and we get like two thousand, and we were like, "Dude, it's sold out!" Wow, yeah, you know, we're packed. <laughs> Yeah, nine thousand people in a midweek like season opener. I know the crazy. SEC animals crazy. So when I, you know, we've talked about my USA experience, but uh, Ron mm-hmm. Polk was our head coach, so we had to make a journey through Starkville, Mississippi State. There, well, that's kind of, and cool. they treated it like it was a college game. They have the bleachers with those pickup trucks that back up, and the, they have the smokers on them and exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Team USA showed up to you know play the Japanese or something in Starkville, Mississippi. And you're just like, kind of like what you said about the internships through Bentonville and all that, like, you know, where, uh, you know, the Walmart deal is. It's like, mm-hmm. there's just so much money and everything is cheaper. So Sneaky it just makes money. that so yeah. much bigger. Like, a yeah, it's like, a uh, what is Reno's like the little big city or whatever. It's kind of like yeah. that. It's like, the, it is. You're you right. just can make your own party and there's not a lot of consequences. And, you know, it's just, mm. it's just weird. It's like a time warp. Get it's it crazy. on. 9,000 yeah. people at a day baseball game. Woo! Mind-blowing. It, w- it was a lot of fun. This podcast was a lot of fun. It's good to see you throwing them back, playing catch-up out there on the West Coast. And, of course, at the end of every Bleacher Blums podcast, we like to reach out to the military and uh, and give them our thanks and our appreciation for all, all the hard work and the sacrifice that they, they give us to be able to be free to speak and complain about a great game called baseball. But uh, <laughs> we, we pray for your safety and all of that. And all of those that have served, we appreciate your service. Uh, first responders, uh, police, medical, fire, EMTs, everybody that's in harm's way, kind of rushing into it to protect us and keep us safe. Uh, essential workers, frontline workers, teachers. You're right in the thick of that last semester. You're heading into the homework, home stretch before summer, so we all appreciate you. And, of course, Tuttle, you've got one more bit of information for yeah, us Yeah, I all. do. So by the, by the time we hear this podcast, it'll be March. March is actually colorectal cancer awareness month so you can wear blue and think about that if you're over the age of 45 don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer blum take us out get after it and believe it glad you cut us short there we could just start shooting the shit the whole time 
twenty eight million dollar budget for the movie. What's the gate? That's what we wanted to know. How much are they raking in? Like thirty six million or something like that. Stop. Oh, so they are you made serious? it. Over they budget. barely paid the bills. <laughs> well, it's probably going to be out for a while. They paid the bills nine million. Oh, it's going to stream its ass off. I'm sure. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Sound like it was Charles terrible. Barkley. Terrible. Who terrible? <laughs> 